Welcome back to Lemon Water, the podcast that quenches your thirst. I'm Nick. And I'm Alex. Today we got a special guest on, Joe Sterry out of Atlanta, Georgia. Joe, how you doing? Good, guys. How are you? Really, that's it? Joe, I need you. We're going to put the enthusiasm up a little bit. Yeah, Joe. come on, Joe. No, I'm supposed to be like, okay, start over. This is lemon. No, no, this is lemon water. We're not starting over. This is, we're, we're going. No, 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 no. We keep going, yeah. This we is, keep yeah, we're live, baby. We're live. <laughs> okay, live what was my, sorry, that was my, um, it, it is a Sunday night, you know, and it is very chill, so I am definitely a little more relaxed um, setting. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so I'm sorry, my uh, tone wasn't necessarily uh, exciting, if you will. <laughs> that's all. That's all good, Joe. Um, how's your night going? What are you up to in Atlanta tonight? Uh, pretty good. I'm just hanging out with my uh, girlfriend in Atlanta. Ooh, his uh, girlfriend, he said. <laughs> yeah. Um, and we got. Um, let's say we had brunch this morning. So I actually the Uber driving. Um, that I started recently, um, I, uh, what's it called? I had been driving from 8 p.m. till about 6 a.m. in the morning. Why, why would you, why, why would you do those hours? Are people like coming in and out of the airport or are you picking up people who are like drunk at the bars and stuff? Yeah. So it's like a mix. It's like an all different mix of people. Um, but it's a lot of fun. Um, and then we went to this, uh, we went to this vegan brunch place this morning. I tell you what, I don't really eat vegan food, but this place was fucking. It was. Oh, sorry. Do you allow? Well, I did it anyway. No, uh, no, Joe. You can't fucking <laughs> curse on our, our podcast, all right? Um, but this vegan place was just fantastic. I had eggs Benedict, and you couldn't tell the difference. It was so good. Wait, wait. Aren't eggs? You can't have eggs if you're vegan. Can you? It's the name. It's the name. Or what they you use a, instead of eggs. You have a substitute. So you had a... What was the substitute? You had like a soy sausage and you had a, um, like a tofu mixture. Like a soy sausage and like a tofu mixture over top with like a hollandaise sauce over the top. A vegan hollandaise sauce. Because oh, as you gosh. know, hollandaise is actually cream-based. Sounds... Uh, exactly. Yeah, sorry. My mouth's watering. I was actually... I was going to make... I was going to make the tofu comment as a joke, but I didn't realize it was the real thing. <laughs> <laughs> what, was your, what was your joke no i was just gonna be like what is it tofu and then you were like oh yeah it's tofu <laughs> <laughs> you're gonna so, make a classic joke go ahead so so joe so you're yes. you're in a you're an aspiring actor what's uh I am. that's that's crazy so and so you're doing the uber driving kind of as just to like sustain yourself while you're yeah. kind of going to auditions exactly exactly so um you know obviously as uh you know, aspiring actor, you, it's, you know, it's a big struggle in terms of, um, income wise, you don't have that set job and you're not having like a nine to five where you have that steady income and, you know, your income's kind of sporadic. So you've got to find all these different ways to try and kind of piece it all together because at the same time, you have to remember, you have to have time for these auditions. So if I had a full-time job, I wouldn't have any time to kind of break away from work. You know, you can't just be like, Usually, most of like a boss, like, oh, hey, I'm going to an audition. Why don't you, um, you know, why don't you let me off for the day? You know, um, so making my own schedule with the uh, coaching tennis. I coach tennis, um, uh, Uber driving, and uh, I do part-time construction. All those sort of things allow me for a more flexible schedule, um, which in turn lets me go to these auditions, which I'm really thankful for. Um, so I get these breaks. Wow, so you're like you're like the Goku of aspiring actors. Like you got it all. You got it all made. I'm sure there's a better character than Goku. You kind of okay. Sorry. Kinda, I sorry. would say I'm. More That's the first like, one that came to mind. I'm. I'm more like the uh, the Yugi, if you will. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> sorry to uh, the listeners out there. That is a throwback uh, to uh, our college days when we used to play uh, Yu-Gi-Oh. Yes, we did do that, and it wasn't like a. We, no, no, we, like, we didn't all do that. I didn't do that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was the one that laughed at them while they did it. Yeah, because yeah, he wasn't. You didn't have anything else to do, so. And just to be clear, because because clearly Alex and I did a bad job at the intro. Joe went to school with us and played tennis there, and then, as Joe mentioned, him and I, and then a few of our other friends, but not Alex, uh, played Yu-Gi-Oh. <laughs> Fresh. Our our first few years, we played it religiously, almost almost daily. Okay. Um, now, now that's a good catalyst because we.
realize that you wanted to get into acting? Was it in college? No. So actually, um, it was kind of way before. See, I I always did I did theater um, even starting young um, throughout when I was in Australia still. Um, oh, and then a little bit in high school when I was uh, before I got to college. Um, and uh, you know, it was kind of I played tennis. Um, I played tennis my whole life, and it was such a it was such a tough choice in between going to like a performing arts school or like playing tennis and, and tennis had, you know, run through my entire family and I didn't know, you know, going to college is, it's a hard choice to make on your own, you know, especially when you're just going like nowadays it'd be easier, you know, when you come into um, kind of that age of being an adult and you're like 20 something and now it's an easier choice, but 18 wise, it's much tougher. I mean, I just, I didn't know whether or not I wanted to, really commit to like performing arts but i've always wanted to do some sort of theater in that regard um did, did you ever do like when you were younger like plays um or improv like yeah so 13, my young 14? my my uh my uh first play dates back to um what was it maybe third grade or we as we call it in australia we call it year three um where i did greece and i um i played danny in greece the australian oh, wow. danny the australian danny that is correct i sang in an australian voice and everything um <laughs> you know some 11 <laughs> um no but it's fantastic and uh you know do i you know do i wish i maybe went to a performing arts school i mean possibly um but i'm now pursuing it now and it's um it's now uh What's it called? I, I don't really regret it because, you know, I met you guys and I had my whole tennis team and stuff like that. And it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that's, yeah. No, yeah, I'm happy you, you went to Brian too. Um, it was the best time. And then, and then obviously you did more there too. Like, because you didn't really do any acting um, activities until really like towards the end of college when you did. Yeah, so I did. Um, theater. So but, in, um, in high school, actually, um, we would have this um, film festival every year um, and they would rent out this uh, like performing arts center uh, every year. And that's, and it would hold maybe a hundred, 150 people, uh, people from our school, people from other schools would come to our school's film festival. Um, so where me and my friends uh, would make you know, starting freshman year, actually a bit before freshman year, these are like short films and anyone in the school could participate, make their videos. And we had this film festival each year. And that's where I kind of got my, you know, acting experience along with a little bit of theater in high school into film a little bit. You know, it wasn't the greatest thing ever, but uh, it was a good, uh, you know, you know, getting my feet wet um, sort of um, experience. So that was that was really awesome. Okay, so so now now we sort of went over sort of what got you into acting. Now bring it to today. You recently um, made a movie, right? Or recorded a movie, or what do they yes. say in, in the film industry? Yes. Shot a movie. I did. I did shoot a movie. Uh, we had a very talented crew and cast um, that I was fortunate to be a part of. Uh, the movie, uh, I'm just going to go ahead and plug right here, yeah, uh, <laughs> is called Adrift Under Light. Um, you can find that on YouTube if you type it in. Um, but yeah, so uh, I started this movie uh, production for this in, uh, let's see, what, what is it now? Uh, 2018, we started around. I think, August, I think August, August 2008, we started it, and it took about three or four months to finish. Um, but we were shooting on and off dates now and then to fit everyone's schedule. You know what I mean? So typically, you have all those those big budget movies and stuff. They um, they wrap within a month. Those movies take right. to shoot. They're they're you know you know. They go bang, they shoot it, and then they're off uh, because they get everyone together, they get the crew together, they get those actors together at a set time, and they're paying you know massive amounts of money to get everyone in this space at a certain time. That um, it's uh, what's it called? It goes so fast because they can't afford to waste money, you know. Right. So, so a big Hollywood film might have you know fifty, a hundred, three hundred million dollar budget, but exactly. for but for a your budget. Right. Yeah, exactly. It's it's tough because even you know even the the crew the aspiring crew right not just the aspiring actors but the crew that want to work on bigger projects right they have day jobs as well you know what i mean like that crew um they come to help on our projects and then their main filming right they uh, i mean their main source of income 
they work on those bigger projects as like lower end people. You know what I mean? Like right, they come right, and right. help out because they want they love helping out in the industry. But at the end of the day, um, uh, they have to go back to like their regular jobs, um, right. which it might be in the industry or might not be. But they come to help out. You know, that's what the great thing about the film community is. Yeah, I guess you always think about you always think about the actor, the aspiring actor, but you never think about like the aspiring director or the aspiring exactly, filmographer. Exactly, and that's the greatest thing about that is, you know, you can trust in those people, um, especially the people that I worked with. Um, they uh, like the directors and the sound people and stuff like that. They all want to make a good movie because they're all in it to make something good for themselves. You know what I mean? Like right. obviously they want to see you do well, but you know they're aspiring to make that next big movie or work on that next big project. Um, so everyone's kind of got an equal um, kind of stake in it as far as like, uh, um, what's a good word for it? Like work ethic wise, everyone's putting in, you know, a lot of uh, work, ethic, work ethic and stuff. So. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, sorry, my, my audio just cut out for a second. But uh, so what's the, so Joe, what's the, what's the budget for a movie like this? Is it 50? You know what's this movie? Yeah, yeah. This movie did have a decent budget because not only did they, so we stayed at a lake house of theirs, and they um, they paid for all the food. They had the food paid for the week. And the coolest part about it, the coolest part about indie projects too, is you know it becomes like a little friends and family like gathering too. Is like you go and you um, you film during the day, and then when you have that off time, we all went to the lake and hung out together, the crew and cast and everything, and just hung out in the sun. And then we'd go back and we'd film for eight hours at a time. You know what I mean? But it was a whole week, uh, week of filming, and they paid for the food and the budgeting and stuff like that, and they pay for gas and stuff like that. So while its indie features are, you know, low, low budgets, they still usually have like, you know, five to ten thousand at their disposal. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's pretty, then, and, sorry, Nick, you want to go? You go. I was just gonna say. So, Joe, do you get? Is this something you get paid for? Because I know yeah. in the beginning, it's like you have to just get your name out there, and right? You your might name. Just have to go Oftentimes, for people do yeah. it for the footage. Um, I didn't necessarily get paid. Um, I got, I'm getting paid actually for a photo shoot for the movie coming up that we're doing, which is going to be cool. So I'm getting paid for that. But um, oftentimes it's it's much more just for footage. You know what I mean? Right, right. And then, and then they kind of take care of you, like you said, with food and gas or, or whatever it may be. Exactly. And you just can, you can just kind of get the footage out there and start, um, you know, just actually being on exactly because they because the equipment they use too is not only don't even think about the budget going into you know locations and food and stuff like that and getting everyone together but think about like uh the equipment they use like the cameras the lights you know everything yeah. costs you know the boom mic and stuff like that so yeah, yeah. using like oh, sorry. oh my god nick are you gonna let me ask a question <laughs> i don't know man. Yeah, have, you got, go have you got better questions than him i don't know he's really yeah. quick to he's quick on the gun he's but good he's, no nick you go ahead you keep going i'm gonna come in after you well the only reason is because i as you guys know I, I used to be a filmmaker in high school and then in college we did some uh small special effects things but um i was curious so do, joe are they using like high quality like red cameras no that are like, so, yeah okay. so to rent those i mean you know what oftentimes is you you don't need um did you have you seen it? Have you seen little snippets of stuff I filmed and stuff on Instagram and like yes. uh, and like uh, the trailer stuff? That was all shot with uh, you know uh, iPhone. A, yeah, it's all shot with iPhone. <laughs> no, but nowadays you DSLR. That, was, that yeah. was shot with a not with a DSLR, but a, sh a nice uh, Nikon camera. Like lenses make a big deal in cameras. They have some exactly. expensive, expensive lenses and also lighting, like stuff like that. So they shot a really good film on this camera, and you don't need you know a red necessarily to. Uh, you don't need a red necessarily to make a really good film. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, exactly. So like, yeah, people are capturing, you know, just in that frame, whatever you can capture in that frame is the most important. You know what I mean? You can make good magic stuff. Yes. It's always nice to have a bigger budget because things look nicer and it's more believable. But I think if you can have, you know, a talented cast and a crew that works really hard to make the, um, kind of the imagery look better and stuff like that, you don't need a whole lot. You just need people dedicated to making it look right. Um, but uh, yes, sometimes expensive gear can come in handy. But it's honestly, it's uh, not always cracked out to be as far as bang for your buck and stuff like that. Sometimes it's nicer mm -hmm. to just go with stuff that works well. So, yeah, makes sense. Alex, you can ask your question now. Are you sure? Are you sure? Are, you good? are, are we good? I'm, I'm, okay. I'm good. And it kind of it kind of stems from your question, Joe, Joe. I know you mentioned like lighting, and I know lighting is a huge part of film, um, like um, 
you know, um, sets and stuff like that. Cause lighting is very important. I do sure. some photography, you know, here and there, you know, um, you know, I'll show some of my stuff later. You know, <laughs> um, um, I know lighting is huge in yeah. photography and more yeah. so in filming and, uh, especially your camera too, what kind of camera you have and the lighting you have. And it kind of, I want to segue that into, um, like indie films and sort of, you mentioned that the budget on indie films is very low compared to like a sure. Hollywood film, mm -hmm. obviously. And I know Joe, you and I, we talk about like movies a lot and like, Oh, you should watch this movie. You should watch that movie. Like a lot of these coming of age, um, movies are, are indie movies. And I always, once in a while, they catch an indie movie. That's like very good. Like, you know, you'll, you'll always see these, these, you know, movies come out and then they'll make it on Netflix, but they were the budget well, they they went on Sundance, right, Joe? Is that like the indie film festival that, that his computer <laughs> died? That's what that noise was. <laughs> what I was saying prior to um, our technical difficulties sure. was I was kind of wanting to compare indie films to Hollywood films. And sort right, of so being an actor, movie. I'm not done. Being an actor <laughs> <laughs> Go on, go on. <laughs> Being an actor and sort of obviously indie films is where majority of actors start, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so good actors. Yeah. I know the budgets for indie films are very low, and when we talk about lighting and cameras and like that stuff's important. Yeah. Um, and what's more so important, like you mentioned, is not only the camera but the person using the camera, the, sure, the, the, sure. the director, the the actor, you know, all of that. Because you can take you can take a Hollywood film, same actors. Um, you know, same director, same filmographer, and give them the indie indie budget, and I'm sure they can, you know, do a good job still. Um, but as indie film people, I mean, you would consider yourself an indie filmer, indie sure, indie sure. actor, an indie actor. Because right, I but, haven't had any kind of major roles yet, so sure, I would. Right, right. Agree with that. And what I was mentioning before is that you know, there are a lot of indie films, and I would think. It, it, do you agree that there are a lot more indie films out there right now than Hollywood films just by, because you have, you know, you have the power of numbers when it comes to indie films because you have all these aspiring directors and actors? Yeah, so it's funny you mention that. Um, so there's kind of this weird line that gets blurred nowadays because you have these so-called indie films that are coming out and they have good stories and the director might not be well-known but they're getting bankrolled for like three or four million. You know what I mean? So I'm not taking anything away from the movies. They're, they're good stories and they come from, you know, good people directing it and, and they've got heart behind it. It's not just a typical Hollywood movie, but it, it, they're getting more and more money nowadays to where you're like, okay, what's considered indie nowadays? You know, is it this story that makes it up? Is it, is it new coming directors and cast and people? Is that what makes it indie? Is it, you know, because usually indie was used to be, you know, is is sort of that cliche thing of shoestring budget and trying to bring everyone together and capture this with a frame. And, you know, the sun's going down and you don't quite have the money, but you're going to make it work anyway. And now you're having these, you know, Hollywood budget movies where um, uh, kind of they, the, they're getting backed by these different production companies. That's why sometimes you see movies, right? And they've got like. 26 production titles in the beginning of so-and-so media and you don't even know who made the film anymore uh, so, so but, are those uh, the films like when i mentioned indie films and i don't know if, i don't know if we mentioned this now or this is before you cut sure. out but um every once in a while like i know you and i talk about like we we text about like oh watch this movie watch this movie or watch this yeah. coming of age movie because i know a lot of coming of age movies a lot of them are indie films um and a lot of the good ones are indie films and every once in a while you see a really really good indie film that you're like wow like this is is this should be a hollywood movie because like i this is you know it's it's filmed great the actors yeah. are great but they're no name actors they're not famous sure. actors so do you think those movies um th those indie films those like you know needle in the haystack those are are good because you know just by chance like they just ended up like you know you, you just had the right mix or is it because of those are the films that have the huge budgets, like the secret huge budgets. Yeah, so I wouldn't necessarily call them indie movies anymore. I mean, they're still like, you know, kind of, it's hard to, hard to describe. They definitely don't fall within the the uh, the category. They're not lumped into Hollywood, so I bless your booze. No, but, you know, those movies are always going to fall into that sort of thing. So I don't, I don't necessarily think that some of those movies that get bankrolled kind of follow... Uh, follow suit of some of those mass-produced movies 
but they definitely don't quite fall into the uh, indie level of movies wise. And you know what's kind of unfortunate is a lot of great indie movies and just movies in general don't get seen by people. You know what I mean? That's like uh, that's like actor wise too. It's a good equivalent to actors. You have there's a lot of great actors out there. They're, they're, they're you know that are you know at the level of some of those top actors you see maybe even better but they just sometimes you just have to be a little lucky having the amount having the skill set puts you on the same playing field as everyone else and then you have to have that little bit of luck that gets you there right without the skill in general you don't even get to have that shot right but some people do occasionally get that shot get it lucky enough and if they happen to nail it then they're then they're on from there. You know what I mean? Then they have a prosperous career. But uh, to even get to that level playing field, you have to have the skill for it. To even give yourself a fighting chance, you have to be on that same playing field. But yes, it does take a little bit of luck here and there. Um, It's like, how do you... Jeez. We we're we're having a big problem with this. (laughs) No, I just wanted to mention one indie film in particular that used as an example. Remember the Spectacular Now? Another one of those movies that wasn't quite indie, but yes. Right, right, right. So, like, you could tell that that movie had a higher budget, but it was yes. not necessarily a movie that went to theaters. Sure. But two of the actors in that movie, when that movie came out, weren't really well-known. Right, on the lesser-known end, yes, correct. And now they're, like, famous actors. It was Miles Teller and... Um, Miles Teller and uh, Cheyenne Woodley is her name? Charlotte, Charlotte it's the one she's in Divergent and stuff like yep, that. Yep, yep, yep. But that's just an example. Right, I'm sure yeah. there's actors and actresses just like them that you know, are just as good, but didn't get that sort of break that they got. But yeah. Yeah. No, I, I tell you, I tell you that that happens more often than not. And I, and you know, there's a, there's a lot of great, um, movies and stories out there. You want to hear a, uh, here, here's a good example of that. The lady that got discovered, um, Daniel day Lewis, right. Arguably probably one of the best actors, uh, you know, of kind of this decade, right. He is, he is like the actor. Uh, yeah. but, um, you know, he's just he's just renowned for just like you know, uh, the guy going who full, yeah, going full method each time he plays and stuff like that. He actually um, he actually had a had a weirdish slash kind of nice tribute uh, quote to his wife when he got up on the set at his Oscar. He says, "I just want to thank my wife for letting uh, something along the lines of letting a different man come home each night or something like that." You know, Jesus. <laughs> so he had. <laughs> I guess he always really carried those kind of characters with him. But anyway, so he made a movie called Phantom Thread, right? And I didn't see this movie, um, but I heard naturally Daniel Day-Lewis, what he acts in, what he acts in, and they got to work with a renowned uh, director. So uh, it got, you know, good reviews, critically acclaimed. Um, So the woman in that, actually, the lead actress um, uh, uh, opposite to him, right? The director actually was on i forget some streaming site or something and had watched her one of her films right it was an indie film indie film kind of lower budget not bankrolled usually really loved it for some by some chance had happened to watch this movie really love this girl's performance in it call her call her agent or call her whatever and say hi i'm so and so and i'd like what's her name to audition for phantom that it's going to be starring daniel day lewis and she nailed the part. He absolutely loved her. Gave her the part. And now I'm not sure what she's doing from here on out, but she got, you know, a lot of exposure from that. Um, so, by off chance that this director had watched some movie. Because you know what? You go on Netflix and you see these movies that get put on there sometimes or even other streaming sites like Hulu. And you get these movies that get put on sometimes that aren't quite well known. And every once in a while, a lot of them are just, you know, kind of fluff put out there, student film, whatever like that. They kind of just kind of run of the mill. They run their course uh on the sites but occasionally you'll find that diamond in the rough that really hits and you're like wow why why is this movie more you know well known and that's kind of the um that's kind of the hope you kind of hold out for that woman's success story is kind of the stories the nice stories you like to hear you know what i mean that someone may be watching you have you never know who uh when it comes to that sort of thing so that makes sense so so you said obviously luck plays a big part because there's so much competition and you have to get lucky and i think that's consistent across many industries, you know, business and specifically in my case. But so, you know, aside from someone just kind of important stumbling across your indie film and giving you a call, yeah. like how, how else can you kind of increase your, your luck surface to, to make yourself as lucky as possible? Is it like, 
yeah, going so the, to the film parties world, the, or yep yep the film world is or especially the entertainment industry not just film but music anywhere is constant networking you're constantly networking and that's not only with big casting directors and stuff but also with you know those aspiring directors and all those stuff you don't know who where someone's going to be now from then whatever even if you don't quite get along with someone in project chemistry whatever it's it's exactly like it is in business. You never want to burn bridges because you never know someday when that director that maybe, you know, you didn't quite gel along with, but maybe he thinks you're good enough and goes, you know, I actually had this one guy and I think he's perfect for the part. You know what I mean? And you don't know what he could be directing a movie for, you know, uh, like Warner Brothers or something like that. Um, mm -hmm. So you, you never know. It's constant networking and keeping in contact with people. And, and it's also, you know, building up your resume. You know, getting these bit parts, you know, and what I mean by bit parts is starting off small, these things, what we call uh, under fives. So under five lines, you start off in these small roles and you start to get more and more exposure uh, as you go along. You know what I mean? And then you start to give those bigger roles. No one's going to no one's going to trust or, you know, unless they happen to nail the audition and they think they're perfect for the part. No real big studio is going to trust really a no name actor to do a supporting role. You know what I mean? The amount right. of lines that's involved in a supporting role or even a lead role is just just hefty. And to carry the show along with that, to be a showrunner, you know, rarely do they ever just cast someone straight out of the blue. Unless, of course, you kill the audition and they think you're perfect for the part. Outside of that, experience always triumphs um, well, you know, you, in terms of your resume. Do you think, like, movies, I know, like, use an example, like, um, Solo, the Solo movie that just came out yes. on Solo? Or yes. um, when they casted Adam Driver as... Um, Kylo Ren, like these actors aren't necessarily like famous actors. Do you, do you think actors who are from these, the indie area or well, not well-known actors do a better job in these like um, sort of superhero and, and um, movies where like the, the, there's the actor or the, the character is an icon rather than just a movie? Do you think those, those actors who aren't well-known do a better job than like, let's say like Ben Affleck as Batman? Yeah, um, so it's tough because a lot of these superhero movies, you know, um, people don't see as typically, you know, uh, putting your acting chops to full uh, full use. You know what I mean? It's not really it, – it, most people don't watch a superhero movie and they think, wow, he's a fantastic actor. That You know what I mean? You pay to go see what you want to see. It's, it's Right, it's more it's of the effects, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a high uh, – you know, good effects – um, you know, loud action-packed story and stuff like that. Um, but I mean, it's, you know, I, you don't find many actors unless you have those actors that take a movie every once in a while that are fine doing that. You don't find many actors going, nah, I don't think I'm going to do the superhero role. That's, you know, that's, right. it's hard to, it's hard to, where do you draw that line between selling out and staying true to your career? Because mm -hmm. are you really going to turn down you know, they offer you $20 million for doing a superhero movie or something like that, and you're going to say no? I mean, think about it this way. Think about, it. I mean, also the people that have responsibilities to their family. You know what I mean? You want to stay true to your art career, and that's that's fine when you're single and you're doing all that kind of stuff and you're doing it for yourself, but when you have a family and you have people to support and stuff, it's like, you know, am I going to pass off this when I can make my kids' comfortable, my kids' lives comfortable? Do you think that's why someone like Christian Bale like was like, okay, I don't want to do Batman anymore because he didn't want to be seen as Batman. He wanted yeah, to be sure. seen as you, hidden. You know yeah, that's kind of – you know what? That's the kind of interesting uh, line um, if you can find a director that does it well, does a superhero well. Uh, and I think a lot of those superhero movies that did do well are some of the grittier ones like – uh, Christopher Nolan's Batman. You know what I mean? Because yeah. a lot of times you see these DC movies coming out nowadays and they're so... They they run on that cheesy side yeah. that just doesn't quite... You know, so isn't quite... You know, even with the Marvel where it's it's still superhero-y and it's not quite on the grittier side like the Joker and the Batman of uh, Christopher Nolan's Dark Knight um, and that kind of franchise, it's still a bit more believable than DC. I do enjoy Marvel in that way. But even then, they're not comparable to, you know, um, Heath Ledger as the Joker. You know what I mean? He played a villain in this kind of uh, superhero movie, and you didn't really think of it as a superhero movie, did you? You just yeah, saw no. basically this crazed guy and Heath Ledger putting on, you know, the acting performance of a lifetime. Um, and it, you didn't – your first thought wasn't, 
oh man, this is a typical superhero movie. And even people like my dad, you know, really enjoyed the movie, and he's not a big superhero movie person um, or kind of uh, kind of sci-fi person. Uh, so you know, you kind of have to think about, you know, if I'm going to take this role, how is it going to be viewed? I'm going right. to be that. I'm going to be that just that actor that took that superhero role, or is it possibly going to be something that actually shows off my acting ability? Um, so, so Joe, how do you even? I mean, as as an actor who's still starting out, like, how do you even get something like a drift under light? I, I assume you have some sort oh, of agency yeah. that you work with. But sure, how does that so, all work? So yeah, so the agency uh, that I'm with, it's called Talent Direct Agency. Uh, I've been with them for about a year, and I'm actually, funny enough, I'm signing my contract uh, to renew another year with them. Um, and uh, so basically, what happens is they get uh, access to all these different breakdowns, right? That uh, people with ad agents normally can't see, and that's it's different casting directors posting things, and they'll submit me for different submissions, and um, I'll uh, submit on my own as well on websites called Actors Access is one of them, uh, Backstage is another one of them, Casting Networks. There's a few different ones, right? That casting directors will post notices and you submit for them. Um, uh, so that's basically how that works in terms of getting auditions wise. So, uh, so it's just like a job posting site like anything else. Exa then, exactly. Your... Yeah, that's a, good, that's a good way of putting it. Exactly. Does your agency take a cut? Because I know. Yeah. So. Um, yeah. Yeah. No. So the agency, uh, uh, it depends on what I'm working on. So, commercial and print work, they take twenty percent, and then uh, film work, they take ten percent. Hmm. That's um, pretty interesting. Yeah. So, um, the uh, the actually biggest project I've worked on. Um, was a, a commercial, um, actually funny enough. And, mm. uh, so they took, yeah, they took about 20% of that. Um, so would you say you would benefit from an app that would connect, uh, actors and actresses to, um, to like movie sets or, or whatever the, the hiring people are? Cause I know a guy who creates apps like that for music, for musicians. <laughs> It's funny. I yeah. I also know a guy like that. Um, it wouldn't be it wouldn't be the worst idea, to be honest. It's um, me. It's me. <laughs> in case you guys didn't notice, we were talking about Nicholas O'Hara. Yes. Uh, yeah, but it wouldn't. It, no, it wouldn't be the worst idea. Um, I'm sure there's apps like that already around. Um, but yeah, it definitely wouldn't be. It'd be kind of a good. I think Nick's checking uh, right now. <laughs> it'd, be good, it'd be a good kind of streamliner uh, to just get you know people connected quickly without the kind of medium and because uh, there's that often there's that uh, there's that still kind of uh, clouded clouded view or kind of mystery, if you will, about casting directors and what they're truly thinking. And sometimes it can be nice to have you know kind of insight into what they're thinking. Um, because it can be like a big mystery and actors trying to audition because um, they're so scared. They're like, oh, what are these casting directors like? And in truth, um, you know, they want you to get the job, you know, just as much as uh, you would. They want you to do a good job. You know what? They're not against you. They want to find the best possible person. And if they can do that on the first try, that makes their job a hell of a lot easier. You know what I mean? So I think a lot of people get so nervous about going to casting directors and trying to impress them. It's like, listen, they're on your team. They're on your side. And they want you to do well. If you kind of mess up whatever, they're not going to be like, oh, yeah, get this kid out of here, whatever. He couldn't even get that first line right. They'll tell you to take it again. Say, listen, no, it can be nerve-wracking stuff. Breathe, take it again. They want to see the best in you come out. So they're on the same team as you. Everyone's trying to work together to put the best movie together and hire the best actors fit for the job. So yeah. I think uh, that can be kind of a scary process sometimes, but I don't think it needs to be. Yeah, That's, I, that's a good I guess, way of putting it. Yeah, I guess, I guess the... Um... The, like uh, the film industry, like applying for a job isn't the same as applying for a job in the film industry. Because like when you apply for a job in like let's say corporate America, like there's a job description, and you can quantitatively see if you meet it or not based sure. on what you do. Whereas when you apply for or or in in you know the equivalent to applying for a job, when you go on an audition for like a movie, it's like you might have the experience, but it's all comes down to what they like and what they think will mesh. Like it, it, it's all like. A perspective it's all the, the perspective of the casting person so like, exactly and that's you know, what makes it tough yeah you know what'll happen most of the time is so obviously the best 
the best actor they think that fits well and whatever will get the part. That's how it is. But to where it does equivalent to the business world is if two people get chosen for uh, to, to the final runnings, right? And mm. the one person has more experience than the other and they both really like them, they're going to go to that person with experience. Mm. You know what I mean? Because at the end yeah. of the day, they're going to know, look what we've watched them on, look what they look at the other shows they've kind of carried and they look at, look at their experience in that and they know they're going to be able to go right through it. And even though the kind of person that didn't quite have much experience might have killed it as well, they might not know. Who know? You know, the, the experience-wise is always the safer bet. But, you know, I it shouldn't discourage actors because there are a lot of people when they do those nationwide searches and stuff, and some of the and then the person they end up choosing for the final role end up beating, you know, people um, uh, with better resumes. You know what I mean? People come out of nowhere that maybe only acted one short film, but did amazing that short film and they just have that natural charisma about it. You know, charisma can't be taught. At the end of the day, you can study all the technique you want and, you know, everyone can kind of get the same training and really put in the hours and get really good. But you have to have that something about you that sets you apart and make people want to watch you. At the end of the day, everyone wants to watch a good actor, but they also want to watch that certain thing about an actor. For example, what what are your what are your uh what it throw out some actors you guys really like? Uh, either one of you, well, like maybe a top actor you guys like. What's a what's a uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt, who I know you like too, Joe. <laughs> yeah, well, <laughs> so you're naming me, okay? Yeah. Um, Matt Damon, Ben Affleck, Leonardo DiCaprio. Leonardo DiCaprio is a good one. Okay, I Leonardo, he's, Leonardo he's DiCaprio. Proper top tier, yeah. So while they're playing a different character in each movie, have you ever noticed when you watch an actor like that and you're like, oh man, that's a that's a totally Leo thing to do, or he his essence just car- their essence just carries across to each movie. And while yeah. while they play yeah. a different character, there's always something about them that you like watching. You know who's a That's- good example of that? Matthew McConaughey. Yeah, it is. Yes. it is. Well, especially in his uh, kind of latter days, right? Because um, he really turned it around. You know what I mean? He was the he was the failure to launch and the Sahara guy and all those other, you know, rom-com movies that really just kind of pigeonhole. Yeah. Pigeonholed him. Um, and, uh, he really said, you know, he's really one of the success stories where he's like, I don't want to be seen, you know, you know, you don't want your career to just dwindle away like that. And he really turned it around and got something. If you would have 10 years ago, if you would have seen, you know, if they would have been casting the same for like, uh, Interstellar, and then we said, "All right, who do you want in the running?" He says, "All right, we we had we had Matt Damon, um, uh, what's a Matt Damon like Leonardo uh, DiCaprio, yeah, Leonardo DiCaprio and uh, Matthew McConaughey in it. That'd have been like Matthew McConaughey, the the guy from How to Lose a Guy in Ten Days. You want to cast him <laughs> in this movie along with those guys? They would have they would have they would have laughed that cast that casting director would have been out of a job." I never thought of like, it like that. All right, yeah. see ya. You would have been out of here. They would have never casted him on that on that resume. But nowadays, he's you know done one movie after other, and they've been hits. You know what I mean? He had that. You know, he played that. Um, uh, what is it? The AIDS-ridden um, like uh, cowboy in uh, Dallas Buyers Club, where he really yes. slipped down, and you know that was a great role in Interstellar. And uh, what was the other one? He was. Mud was a good one too. Mud was a really good one? One, yeah. kind of an underrated one. Yeah, Mud was. Yeah. Uh, but now he's taking on more of these eclectic roles and people are starting to respect him as an actor again. You know what I mean? So it's a great story. Um, yeah. I, that's a prime example. I'm sure you're seeing it now. Like, I guess a lot of times, not even in acting, in anything, in any job, people like to focus on what they're good at. And if they're not good at something, they're kind of like, okay, I'm not good at that. I'm just going to focus on what I'm good at. But like, exactly. like Matthew McConaughey, to use him as an example, it's like, okay, maybe he wasn't good at those serious roles, but he knew that. And he worked on it, I'm he assuming, because he on got it. good at it. Because yeah, you want to be well-rounded. Know. You want to be able to you know, play in a comedy, play in a drama, play in a you know, romantic movie, and, and anything. All uh, those years that Matthew McConaughey wasn't playing you know, or had those breaks and rom because you don't know what he was doing. He could have gone right. back and he could have refreshed his whole technique all over again. He could have sought out different acting coaches and said, listen – what can I do to really bring out this other side of me? I really want to change this image of me and I really want to work at it, whatever. He could have been putting in work. No one ever mentions, no one ever mentions the, the amount of work these actors put in behind the scenes, uh, like a Mark Ruffalo or something like that. He went to Stella Adler, the, uh, 
uh, a renowned acting teacher. Um, she's like the basically the mother of acting. Um, you know, he went to her studio and studied under her for ten plus years of time before he actually broke out on a broke out into the uh, Hollywood scene. You know what I mean? A lot of these actors went to schools. They did. And I, I think people like to, you know, neglect the fact that they're like, oh, they didn't go to, you know, whatever. They, look at them in the movies. I was like, look up their background and see what performing arts schools they went to. Most of these actors did. And um, I think people really just overlook that because they think acting is kind of this anomaly. And it isn't. It's like any other skill that you have to learn and you have to train at to get better at it. Um, and I even realized, too, like the parallels between like talking about Matthew McConaughey and who he was and who and who he is now it's just yeah. it's so much related to like building your own personal brand and it's like okay exactly. he might have and and you have to invest in it too you have to you know maybe i'm sure he has a team of people who are making sure that how he's viewed in the public eye is exactly, exactly. how he wants to be oh, viewed exactly when you get to that level you know it's not only it's not only your agent manages your board you have that publicist and you have people you know working around the clock to making sure you know you know not only you stay, you know, the good things are being promoted, but your 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 fires are put out. You know what I mean? They're there with their extinguishers. The second something gets put up about you, that they're working on something, they say, all right, listen, we don't want him to get blacklisted from this next movie, so we've got to figure out how we can put this out. Um, and, uh, you know, oftentimes these bigger, bigger actors, they don't even have agents anymore negotiating their contracts. They get to a certain point where they make so much money and they already know kind of what they want for it, they have lawyers doing it. Their lawyers are their agents because directors wow. will reach out to them. Their agents don't necessarily reach out. Their lawyers handle everything now. Their agents may be talking to the directors and be like, yeah, I heard you want to do cast uh, Leo for whatever. And he says, and Scorsese's like, yeah, bring him or whatever. And then as soon as the contracts get put through, then it's then it's the lawyers going at it. It's no longer agent. Like my agent negotiates my thing nowadays. But when you get big enough, oh, yeah, the money gets way too big. And then you just need straight lawyers to, you know, handle all that stuff. So, makes sense. Yeah. Switching gears, switching gears a little bit. I'm just curious um, about how like the rejection is in the industry because I know it's a pretty common thing. Or you know, I'm not sure if it's a, if it's a myth or not. But everyone says how there's constant rejection in this industry. And I was curious, Joe. Like, have you have you seen that as well? Um, oh, there's you you would you would drive yourself absolutely mad if you. <laughs> If you uh, <laughs> if you constantly went if you constantly after each if each audition you went through and you're like, oh man, I wonder if they're gonna call me back, you know what I mean? You, you would you would you would you would burn out so quickly. That's the amount of rejection you get. And I think with um, I think you know I hear back. I heard back from a callback a month later, and I almost forgot what the project is. You almost have to go back to that script. And when you get called for a callback, and I'm working on another project, I have to refresh what the hell this character was i'm like was he uh wait oh right he was the he was the drug addict right, wait, right no right. shit he was the police officer it was like the total <laughs> opposite and you have to you have to kind of rejog your memory of what this was because um you know you're you're already onto the next project stuff so that's the kind of healthy thing about that is you once you're in the audition room you leave it you leave it all out there you you, you know you bear your soul you do all the work and preparation leading up to it and you, and you let it all out in that costume room and then you're then you're done and you go off and if you hear back, you hear back. If you don't, you don't. And to, you know, to kind of dwell on that after it just, you, you would, yeah, you would. Be, it doesn't make sense. Yeah. I learned that real quick. Yeah. I, I think, and, and likewise too, for me, it's just like, I think one of the big things is you just have to adjust your expectations. Like for me, just as an entrepreneur and, and raising money, similar thing. It's like, okay, you meet, you have an investor meeting and then, you know, you do your preparation, you give them your pitch and you do the best that you can. But after that meeting, I just kind of totally forget about them. And I'm sure you do too, just because it's like, okay, I, I gave you my best. If you're interested, you know, follow up. But if not, like you're not going to dwell on it because it'll eat at you if you're always thinking about sure. who sure. I, are they going to get back to me or not? Yeah, exactly. I would say you're just, you're in terms of like dealing with rejection in your field. It's kind of at a, I would only say it's a, it's at a delay, like kind of a, your duration is longer in terms of when you do hear back from that rejection and stuff. But it's still, you know, you're developing your idea, and if it doesn't quite make it to that state and it gets killed at a stage, then you're on to the next thing. You know what I mean? To constantly exactly. kind of and to constantly kind of be on that idea um, and not growing and moving forward, or even just taking lessons from that. You know what I mean? You might take somewhere where that idea failed and put it into something new and find good parts of that and put it into something new. You know, I always take lessons away from you know audition rooms. 
um, you know, the good and the bad. And next time I get in a room, I know, you know, kind of to grow as a person and not only as an actor, but as a person too, you know, you just, you learn those lessons. Um, yeah, no, that, 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 yeah, that makes sense. And that's all you can do too. It's like, there's going to be successes and failures no matter what along the road. So exactly, you might as well just, you know, learn from it and keep going because you, you just, you know, you just learn so much. Ever since I left my job, it was just like so much learning. And that's the way to do it is just by putting yourself out there and, and making yourself vulnerable. But in that discomfort, you grow a tremendous amount. And, exactly. uh, yeah. Amen, brother. <laughs> you, you like that, yeah. Alex? It's, it's, it's exactly because if not, what else do you get out of it? You know what I mean? You fail. And if you can't take a lesson from it, then you it's essentially it's, it, you know, you think it from a, it's, you think of it from a, a business standpoint, it's basically become a, a sinkhole, you know exactly. what I mean? And you, and you, and you put all this money back and you don't get anything back. Basically. It's just, it's a sunken cost. It's a sunken cost, if you will. Um, and, 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 you know, if you don't take a lesson from that, then it's, it, it goes completely to waste. You've basically taken that failure and put it completely to waste. Um, um, cause you know, there's a lot of, oftentimes there can be a lot of, um, uh, emotional turmoil that comes with failing. No, not always, but some of the bigger failures, you know, can really wear on you. You know what I mean? And you've got to find a way not only to get through those in kind of a lesson where you grow from that, but to also help you move on from it because it can, it can, you know, not getting that role or something like that and wondering and just that huge crust to your spirit when you almost get something, say a role to me where I've made it through, I've had it something like that actually happen. It was one of my first roles. You make it through three or four callbacks and you think, there's no way I couldn't get it now. I'm down to like the final two or three and you don't get it. And that's just the way things work. Nothing is set in stone till it is. You know what I mean? Until it's written down, until it's signed, until it's put through, you don't have it. And I think, you know, that, that can be heartbreaking uh, some of the times when you get so close to something. And I think you, you have to be able to uh, uh, help uh, what kind of um, – Healthily, uh, what healthily? That's not a word, is it? Yeah, no, we'll no, say I mean, it's a word. We, it could be, yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll let it slide. Kind of a healthy, yeah, <laughs> healthily, <laughs> healthy way of uh, moving on, or else you just get stuck there. And I think uh, sometimes if you get buried down so deep, it's you know you can never come out of it. We've gone into the the depths of your um, of how you became, how you wanted to become an actor, and then what you're doing now as an actor, as an aspiring actor. And, um, and now sort of, you know, to wrap it up, we want to see like where, where do you think you want to go in the next five years or, you know, what's your five-year plan, you know? <laughs> <laughs> what's your five-year acting plan? Right. So, you know, I, I've, I definitely have a kind of five-year plan in mind. I mean, I think, I think everyone does, you know, in life in general, you, you don't want to, you don't want to get to a certain time and, you know, kind of wasted that time and be like, I, I didn't see myself progress. You know what I mean? We always want to see ourselves progressing right. um, over the years. Um, so I definitely want to be, you know, have stuff under my belt in terms of progressing in these bit parts that I was talking about. If I could have a couple of those and building up within the next five years, that would be fantastic. But I think overall long-term goal, if I could just do this without having to work a kind of, you know, job to pay, you know, kind of ends meet, that would be my ideal goal. I don't have to be living, you know, lavishly. Um, but if if I could just be self-supportive on just purely acting, I think that would be great. I, I think at the end of the day, you know, as I, as I say, I mean, I do this because I love it. And you'd have to be a fool to get into something like this if you didn't love it. And, th you know, because there are so many other ways to make money. Um, to be, I mean, even just, you know, basic labor jobs that you can have a more steady income. Um, so if you don't love it, and especially relating to, you know, Nick uh, pursuing his entrepreneurship um, and uh, all those ideas he's pursuing, if you don't love it, you know, why pursue it? And me what, and what I'm doing, right? I think at the end of the day, um, well, yeah, you, I don't, don't want to be left out, you know? And, and Alex's career. And, and, and Alex's Alex Alex's career. No, no, I think I think it's noble that you're pursuing, you know, kind of commercial real estate and stuff like that, and you, you know, you you you're wanting to further your career. I I have, I have no issue with that. But I think in terms of pursuing passions and stuff, um, I think at the end of the day, if you if you don't love it, you you shouldn't just get into it because you think it's it, it's basically like it's the 
it's the new trend on the block and you're like, oh, let me give it a give it give it a try. I'm all for people willing to see what acting's like, but don't come out of it and say, oh, this was, you know, this is much harder than I thought. I don't really want to do this because I don't like it. You know what I mean? If you didn't, you know, have a love for it in the first place, you know, don't do it. It's mm. just, I have a, I have a act for telling story, like telling great stories and, you know, characters and, you know, and that kind of, um, I guess just human emotion in general. It's just, it's just fascinating to me. So I, I like doing that. And, and if I can just, if I can do this for the rest of my life and, you know, not get burnt out to it, um, that, that would be, that would be good for me. And I think that if you, the day I stop loving it and the day I kind of go to auditions and I'm just, I'm just not loving to do it anymore, um, is the day I'll kind of throw it all away. And I'll leave it with this last kind of uh, quote here from, um, have you guys seen uh, Green Book? Have you heard of that movie? Yeah, oh, yeah they won a bunch of okay. awards. You know the yeah. main actor in that movie? Um, Marshall Ali. Marshall Ali, right. He had a quote. He was sitting at a round table with a couple actors, and he says, the amount of acting you actually get to, get to do, um, theater it's a bit more, but if film... Uh, it's it's way less the amount of acting you actually get to do between those between that frame but you know in front of those cameras is so little that if you don't enjoy all the stuff outside of it the preparation the grueling hours of you know studying a character the costumes you know chemistry with a partner uh you know working with the director then you just you know you won't love it because you you barely get to spend any time doing that doing the actual acting the actual acting is outside of you know, doing it there in the moment. So you really got to love the process or you won't love it at all. I think that's great. And I think that relates to a lot of things in life. And Joe, uh, we appreciate you having you, uh, having you on here. And, um, yeah, guys, uh, thanks for, thanks for a- yeah, no, thanks for, um, squeezing your lemon in our water, man. Like, <laughs> yeah. Guys, yeah. Yeah. Glad to do it. Glad we to all, do it. we always welcome drops of lemon from other people's trees into our, in our big, massive water of lemon water. Absolutely, and and we'll link to a drift under light in the uh, in the show notes too, so you can check that out and check Joe out and see what he's doing. So, Joe, thank you so much, man. We appreciate the time, and uh, until next time, lemon water, out. <laughs>